0: Good morning. Uh, hey, we're in part five of our series, Problem of God, and i are going to dive into that in just a moment and deal with uh, this, this idea of pain and suffering. Uh, before I do, I just want to take a quick, quick moment, and uh, we got uh, some news uh, this morning in the green room while we were downstairs just as the worship team praying together that uh, uh, Jake, who was just here leading worship, his wife's brother was in a pretty rough car accident, uh, either late, late, late last night or early this morning, was hit head on uh, and is in the hospital fighting. So can we just pray real quick? Oh God, you're good. Uh, we believe that you're good. We believe that only you are good. And we call on the healing hands of Jesus this morning, God, that you would be near um, uh, to Nick, that you'd be near to the family as they as they navigate this tough stuff. God, uh, as we as we talk this morning about the pain and suffering we face, it seems relevant that we just come and call on your name today, asking that, um, that you'd move in ways that only you can move, God. And we, we rely on you. We trust you uh, for whatever... Um, you have in front of us, and whatever you have in front of Nick, as he as he battles this morning in the hospital. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, okay. Well, we are we're going to dive into this. I think, at least, I hope that today is for everybody. I hope uh, my my goal is that today would be for you, if you're uh, spiritually unresolved. Uh, or maybe resolved, I guess. Maybe you've just resolved yourself to the idea that this stuff isn't yours. It's not for you. God's not for you. Uh, Christianity's not for you, or religion's not for you, or fill in the blank with whatever word you desire, but, but you don't want any part of this stuff uh, I hope that today 's for you, maybe you just at least <laughs> maybe it 'll be interesting to get some inside information from some of us that that feel differently than you today, or maybe you 're just here because you have a love interest of somebody who that 's their deal it 's their jam and, and they 're your jam, so you 're here so i hope it's i hope it 's for you I hope today 's for you if uh, you 're in that middle space you 're kind of caught in between right you kind of believe you kind of don't you kind of trust God, you kind of don 't you kind of live your life like he 's real and and relevant, and you kind of don't. Uh, you're kind of just stuck in that, that middle space. Uh, I, I hope today's for you. And I hope today is for you if you're, uh, if you're like me, frankly. Like if you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to orient your life around this idea that we are to declare the goodness of God and that we are to glorify God with our lives and that we want to know better how to do that. And I hope that covers all of us. And if it doesn't, I still hope today's <laughs> for you. So uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into this idea of pain and suffering like why does it exist why is it around why do we have to deal with it in our lives and let me let me start here and i'm not going to to i'm not going to spend too much time on this but the sovereignty of god the sovereignty of god is a hard concept for some of us and yet i also think it might be like complexly simple if that's a thing the sovereignty of God, this idea that God knows all, is in all, sees all, is not surprised by anything, like that's, that's kind of a generic way of talking about the sovereignty of God. I just want to like say this. I'm not going to get into a big theological uh, deal here. We're not going to go too long. This could be a whole series, but I'm going to spend 10 seconds on it. Are you ready? Here it is. God never wills evil. I'm just going to live there for just a moment. God never wills this evil stuff. I'll just leave it there. We'll come back to that here in just a bit now it's 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 probable it's likely i would I would imagine that almost all of us, probably all of us uh can point to some suffering, some pain that's in our lives. It might be going on right now, it might be in our past, it could be with loss we have people in our church who've lost somebody just this week it could be it could be loss, it could be cancer, it could be abuse, it could be alcoholism, it could be infertility, I don't know addiction, jail divorce I mean the list is huge, right, and some of us can check so many of those boxes it's you know it's just it, it's kind of crazy. Um, so, so like pain and suffering has found us. It, it finds its way uh, to us. None of us are exempt from it. I had a friend tell me one time, and I believe him. He said all of us deal with pain and suffering. We either just got out of a season of it, we're in the middle of a season of it, or headed to a season of it. Right? And it was kind of a buzzkill and kind of a downer. But I've found that it's it's true. So. But why, why do we deal with pain and suffering? Like, why does this go on around us? It's a question we all have. It's a question that we all, like, those of us that follow Jesus and, and expect to spend eternity in heaven, like, I imagine is one of the questions I, like, it's, for me, it's at least one of the things I want to ask God about when I get there. Like, it's, I want to stand face-to-face with my creator and say, what's the deal with that, right? So, uh, but Scripture does give us some some uh, understanding in the meantime. It does give us some some concept in the meantime to to dig into. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at this now. I think the the question I think starts from our pain. I think it comes from our pain. That's why we ask it. But I think the answer comes from our worldview. I think we have to establish what is our worldview. How do we see the world? What's the lens? But the lens by which we see the world. In order for us to create a reasonably clear answer for. Ourselves. I'm going to try my best to get us through this. We're going we're gonna to open up our Bibles to First and Second Peter today. Now, listen, uh, it's going to be a lot of moving around. I'm going to go quickly back and forth. I'm going to actually, frankly, kind of move backwards from Second Peter and kind of you know, like reverse our way back into First Peter. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, that's great. I'm going to move kind of fast. And here's my preemptive. Sorry, like you may not be able to catch it as quickly as I'm going through it. So they will be on the screen behind me, these verses. Uh, you can find them there. Uh, Now would be a great time to to dig out your mobile device if you want to go that route, but uh, we're going to push our way through this and try to understand, uh, at least to establish, at least a foundation of a Christian worldview, because I think we have to understand that before we can answer this question for ourselves. All right, so here we go. I'm just going to jump right in. Here is 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. In other words, everything that you know and see will come to a dramatic end. It's over. It's done the next verse, he speaks uh, to the idea, well, okay, if we understand that to be true, Christ follower, know, know this, he's, he's speaking to Christians, he's speaking to the church. So if we understand that to be true, how should we then live our lives? Here he is, verse 11. Since, uh, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives, but in keeping, uh, here's verse 13, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. God is going to rebuild. He's going to restore. He's going to remake. He's going to recreate this, this world of suffering around us, and heaven and earth will be made new. So we're seeing a little bit of a, like, a start of this like, Christian worldview, this foundation set uh, before us. I'm going to back it up into chapter 2. Uh, here's what it says here. Just as there will be false teachers among you. If you were here two weeks ago, I talked about this. These were Jesus' words, right? Jesus and Matthew talked about there will be people around you that don't tell the truth. And now Peter's uh, saying the same thing. I think we probably ought to, we ought to chew on this for a second. Uh, and you might be thinking to yourself, like, so there's this, these people that will live in this kind of falsehood, right? And you're thinking to yourself, well, Mark... How do I identify who these people are? I don't have a great answer for you. I think Scripture gives us some clarity, some. But I mean, you might even be thinking, like, I would be thinking if I was you, Mark, how do I know you're not one of those guys right now? And the answer is, I, if I was going to create a profile of them, I bet they're taller than me. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just start there. I, I, <clears throat> I don't know what else to give you, but, but uh, Scripture does give us some ways to discern that. But, so Peter says, listen, don't listen to their message. I mean, don't listen to their message. Uh, and then he, he talks in, uh, in verse 12, he talks about the prophecy of Scripture, the reliability of Scripture. If you were here last week, you heard our lead pastor, Tim, uh, really lay this out really beautifully, really, really well. And the, the big takeaway for me, uh, among many things, the big takeaway for me was that what we read in Scripture today is what was written in Scripture thousands of years ago. It was pretty cool. It was a pretty compelling thing. If you missed last week, uh, jump on our website and check Check that out. It was a pretty, uh, pretty cool deal. But scripture, for us Christ followers, I don't think there's any big news flash to you. Chris, the scripture for us is the lens by which we have to answer life's hard stuff. Like the questions that we have, we come into church with, or we go into our office spaces with, uh, we need to look through the lens of the Bible to get those things answered. Now, here's 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. Look at verse 8. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You are in a spiritual war. Weird, right? You're in a spiritual war. I am in a spiritual war. We live in a physical world. We live in a material world. But there's also this spiritual world that maybe we just don't see or think about often enough. But you have an enemy. Now, know this. Like Peter suffered. I mean, Peter's not just writing this stuff, like, like, casually, like, without a clue. Like, he suffered. Even as he's writing this, we're, we're approaching the end of his life, which he ultimately died. He was martyred for his faith. But he, he suffered. The emperor of Rome, Nero, needed somebody to blame for the big fire that came through. And he thought, why not the Christians? They're a bunch of losers. So he blamed them. And Peter was like the loudest of them, him and Paul. So they were dealing with some real persecution. They knew what suffering truly was. I just want you to find, if you're willing to, let's just consider his words credible. He got it. He understood what suffering really was. Earlier in chapter two, I won't read this. He talks about, he talks about what, like, what are you to do if you're the church? There's this pagan society around you. These people don't live like they know God exists. They're not trying to honor God. How should we honor God in a world that doesn't? And, and like I talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, there's this, this window that, that shows like who God is to us by the way we live. But there's also a window into how others see God by the way We live. He says it matters. Like we should live in a way that shows who God truly is. All right, here we go. Chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to keep going. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. I feel like I say this every time I stand up here, right? I feel like every time I'm up here and I'm trying to, to gather uh, for myself and for us what it is to live a life that honors God, we come back to this. We are to be holy people. We, If you didn't know this, we are a holiness denomination we don't talk about it much it doesn't seem to come out as a kind of a churchy word we don't we don't use a lot up here but we are to live holy lives okay last backup job and then I'm gonna put this thing in park for just a little bit. Here we go. Uh, here's, uh, here's the next one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles, literally strangers. You lived as strangers on this earth. Scattered throughout the provinces of yada, 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 who have been chosen acor- You thought I'd try those words, didn't you? Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to, the, uh, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. I love this. Don't miss this. I will say this over and over and over and over. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Ah, so good. Grace, may God give you way, way, way better than you deserve. And peace, may He take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. We add all this up. And I know I've just flown through this stuff. And you can go back and read First and Second Peter. You can get a clearer picture uh, of some of this. But I know I've flown through this stuff. But you add all this stuff up, and we've started to establish a worldview. Your questions come from your pain. Your answers come from your worldview. So we started to establish one. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay quickly out uh, quickly for you what a Christian worldview looks like as we kind of recap some of what we just read and just some general understanding of our theology. Um, If you were here, if you've been around Grace Point for a while, six years, I can't believe it's been six years ago, but six years ago, I stood on the stage and drew it all on a whiteboard, and that seemed to be uh, kind of a decent way to draw it all out. But I tried it this week. I was going to do it for you again, and what I realized is that in six years' time, my handwriting's got really bad. So I decided, the heck with that. We're not going to worry about the whiteboard, so I'm just going to, like, blow through this stuff, and here's the general, like, quick, like, look at what a Christian worldview looks like. Christ follower, if you were to answer this question, you have to understand this of yourself. All right, Christian worldview is God-centered. It's God-centered. Like it, it, we believe and God has demonstrated that the world is centered in him. One of my favorite songs we sing around here says, you know, for from you are all things and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Everything is God-centered for a Christ follower. We also believe it's God-created. It's God-centered, it's God-created. All you see and you yourself were created by God, for God, for his pleasure, for his purpose, for the glorification of his son. None of it was, for, was by accident. Okay, we're God-centered, we're God-created, and then this really big bummer happened, sin, right? Through Adam and Eve's sin, sin took place, and that was a bummer, and what, what came with sin was death, suffering, pain, loss, setbacks, you know, disease, all the, the terrible stuff we talk about, the terrible stuff we're thinking about when we go into a series or, or at least a conversation, a sermon about pain and suffering. But God, in his amazing, amazing, amazing kindness for us, saw it fit to to take care of that for us, so he gave us a savior. That savior has a name. It's Jesus. So in the midst of this condition, he gave us a way out. And with Jesus came the gift of salvation. Scripture literally speaks to the fact that we can be like born again. We are a new creation, a new creature where we are brand new when we have salvation in Christ. Now, I think it's, I think it's necessary to, 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 to say this. I know we get this, but I, we have to let this be infused in us as we talk about our worldview. Salvation is unearned. Like it's unearned. It's it's nothing we could do for ourselves. Like we aren't made righteous on our own. Only God can do that. Only God is good. We just sing a couple songs about it. God, you are good. You are good. Like we sing, we declared it over and over. I think those words need to sink in. I think it's appropriate that the Lord saw that we'd sing those songs today as we discuss who is good, who isn't. God is good. We're made righteous only by the goodness of God. And the Bible references this over and over. I just got done talking about be holy. Like this, 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 this Christ-centered, this Christian worldview. If it's God centered, it's God created, there's sin, there's Jesus, there's salvation. How should we live then? Well, we are to be holy. Now, here's the thing that I want to make sure we're clear on with, with salvation. With salvation, it means that heaven is our home. Heaven's our home. If heaven's our home, earth isn't, right? Earth is temporary housing. We get to hang here for a while, and that's all great. Well, it's not that great these days, honestly. (laughs) Like, there's some real bummers about it, right? Heaven is our home. So we are to be holy. We are to live like heaven is our home, like we understand heaven to be our home forever. So how do we answer our questions if we believe all these things to be true? The Father answers our questions. How does the Father answer our questions? Well, mostly through Scripture, Right. I also think the Father can answer our question through other Christ followers who have had Scripture revealed to them. I also think the Holy Spirit can just speak directly to our souls. I, th- I think there's ways it happens. I think it's mostly Scripture, and I also think not only is it mostly Scripture, it will never contradict Scripture. Good? That's how we answer our life, our, our really, really, really hard questions. So you add all of these things up. It's God-centered. It's God-created. You know, there's sin. There's death. There's Jesus. There's salvation. And we're to live holy. That, that heaven is our home. Heaven is like the forever thing. And earth is just temporary. Add all these things up. We have, what I'm going to say, we have a God life with God rules. Okay? We have a God life with God rules. This is a really, really quick picture, like in a nutshell, of a Christian worldview. Now, let's contrast. Let's talk about a non-Christian worldview. And I don't mean to suggest that, you know, there's only this way of thinking and there's only this way of thinking and there's there's nothing else. There's no room for anything else because there is. Hey, listen, by the way, if you are a non-Christian and you're here today, I just want to say, like, I want you to hear from me as clearly as I can say it. Welcome. We don't have any misguided expectation or understanding that everybody who sits in these seats thinks and looks and talks and feels and acts like I do or like We do, right? We are so glad you're here. This is a safe place to come with your questions. It's a safe place to come with your doubts. Like, thank you so much for being here. We are glad you're here. I don't want you to feel like called out or, or made fun of, or anything like that. Like, it is totally healthy and good that you are here today. So uh, I've painted a picture for us, uh, for us Christians. Now let's talk about the non-Christian worldview today. It's just basically in stark contrast to what I just got done saying. We don't believe it. If it's a non-Christian worldview, it's not God-centered, right? It's mankind-centered. It's all for me. It's all for us. It's all, it's all around me and my desires, my things, my life, all me, 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 right? In other words, there is no God. I mean, there, there's no God. It all starts with us. We're the center of everything. We weren't created by God because there is no God. All right, so good. In this scenario, non-Christian would suggest, well, I guess there's no sin. Well, that's a good deal. All right, there's no sin because there's no God. There's nothing to measure holiness against. Why would there be sin if there's no God? We have no way to even know. I don't suppose we need a Savior. I mean, there's, there's nothing to be saved from, so this Jesus thing doesn't really matter. I mean, I know the Christians, right, they're fanatical about this dude. He's a pretty big deal to them. But, like, for me, he's of really no consequence. I mean, really. So I guess I don't really need salvation there's nothing to be saved from there's there's nothing out in front of me I mean it's just kind of over there's no heaven there's no hell it's just kind of kind of done like it's just some far fetched idea that anything's out in the future so now earth is our home right we live for earth we live for now we live for what's in front of me right now as i'm saying this to you if earth is our home i don't know if be holy really matters i think it's probably be happy I mean, that's probably the way we would tend to, to think of things. But There's no reason to be holy. It's be happy. So there's, no, there's none of these other things, and like, we can't answer our questions to our Father. Now, how do we, how do we non-Christians, how do, how do you non-Christians answer your questions? Well, it's no longer through Scripture, because that stuff is totally inconsequential to you, right? Now it's about my feelings. How do I answer my questions? Like, I think it's my feelings. My feelings. How do I feel? How does that make me feel? Like, what works for me? And really, if we're honest, a lot of us Christians answer our questions this way, too, sadly. Like, these are, these are my feelings, like, what works for me? So in a Christian worldview, you have this God life, God rules. In a non-Christian worldview, you have this, That's oh, my life, it's my rules, right? And I think that that's what a lot of people are, are doing these days. We have these two completely different world views. And I think it would be so easy, I think it would be so at least easier, I think it would be so much clearer to us if they were just that clean. I'm either this or this. But the problem is, I think there's that middle space. I think we, we, we tend to, to some of us, like there's this space in between where, listen, I want a little of that, that's good. I want a little of that, that's good. And I kind of just hang out in the middle. That, that's what Peter's talking about when he says there's these false teachers. There's this kind of middle space where we're just a little maybe unsure, My feelings clarify a lot for me about God, but like, or about life, right? But God clarifies a lot for me about about life, and I just, you know, a little pint of that and a pinch of that, and I've created for myself my own reality. And my feelings mostly do that, but God does a little of that for me. You know what a jackalope is? A jackalope is. I mean, it's it's a jackrabbit with antlers. (laughs) It's a mythical creature. It's a mythical creature, but we think it's true. Like some of us live as though there's like a real you know, jackalope, right? Like here's my point. There's no such thing as Christianity that blends following Christ with the values of the world. It doesn't exist. I mean, it, 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 it just doesn't exist. But sometimes we practice this. Sometimes we kind of live there in that middle space as though that's not the case. And then we get a little confused because now we think it's God's job to make me happy. It's God's job to make me happy. We pull God from this side, we pull happy from this side, and we try to meet somewhere in the middle. So what, what looked like this was a pretty clear like distinction. You know, we have the we have a Christian worldview with a God life and God rules and be holy, right? We're celebrating that, we're we're, we're championing that whole endeavor. And then we have the non Christian worldview that says it's my life, it's my rules, and be happy. And then we try to pull them both together and we kind of get stuck somewhere in the middle, and that it looks like this. I try to figure out how to combine the words be holy and happy, and I got hoppy. I don't know if that helps at all. (laughs) Easter's coming. I don't know why that's useful. But what we have is confusion, right? I mean, it was just confusing. We got some of that and some of that, and now we're kind of just stuck in the middle, and there's just just a lot of confusion. If you're thinking... Like, what do I do with that? Well, here's what I got for you, right? Like, why is there pain and suffering? The the answer from the Christian worldview, and I know that's like earth shattering, we're at church today, Christian worldview would suggest sin did that. I mean, sin sin did that, and you're thinking to yourself, well, you blamed hypocrisy on sin a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, I think sin kind of did a lot. I think sin is a, is a big, big problem for us. It brings death. It brings disease and setback and sorrows and loss and suffering. If you think, man, you can't just blame everything on sin, I would suggest that maybe you just don't get how big a deal sin truly was and how big a deal sin truly is. I mean, it has put us in a real, real pickle, and all of us are experiencing the fallout of sin, not just our own. Right, There's sin we're dealing with in our own lives or the sin of like our family or whatever. There's, there's consequences of sin going on around us, but there's also the original sin of Adam and Eve, which passed sin down to all of humanity, that we're still dealing with the consequences of that and we will forever deal with the consequences of that. Sin has done a lot to us. The wages of sin is death. God said, when you eat of it, you will surely die. This was a big deal. Mark, that can't be the answer. Well, I mean, I, I, would, I would suggest it is really, truly that simple. You ever been in a, you ever been in a car accident where your vehicle was totaled? I've not. Thank God, I've never never had a totaled vehicle. I've backed into my boss a couple times. Uh, I've never been, I've never been in a totaled vehicle. But it, but you know that you can actually total your vehicle without actually hitting anything, <laughs> right? You got you, got, you got, it was something slippery, right? There was ice. There was sand. Something started to make your car slide. You maybe you turn a couple circles. Even I don't know, but you maybe went up on an embankment or onto a curve. You never actually. A curb. You never actually, you know, hit anything, but you drove away and you went, whew, that was close. I I really dodged a bullet there. You drove away, you got in your car and you drove and you went, man, this thing doesn't really feel totally right. So you take it to a mechanic. Mechanic calls you back a couple days later and he says, hey, Mark, bad news, man. Your car is totaled. And you went, what? I mean, totaled? What are you talking about? Like, I don't have a scratch on it. My paint job is perfect. I didn't even hit anything. He said, yeah, I totally get that, man, but your framework is totally, totally twisted. That's what sin did. I mean, that's what sin has has done to you and I. It's wrecked our lives. I mean, it, it has totally, totally totaled our souls, and we didn't even see it sometimes. And again, I'm not talking about just the specific sin that you deal with. I'm talking about the existence of sin that we were born into. But before all of that, like before we were born into any of that, before Adam and Eve's mess, before any of that, God created perfection. I mean, it's perfect. It was paradise and yeah, we broke it. Humanity, well, I'm, 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 we're humanity, right? Humanity broke it. And I think we have to own up to that. I think it's time. I think it's time for some of us that are, that are keeping ourselves from like jumping over towards this Christian worldview, like coming, coming nearer to Christ. I think maybe, and maybe even some of you Christians, it's time for us to, to, to grab a hold of this idea that we've turned on God instead of toward God. I mean, we're mad, we're mad at God and we've we've turned on him instead of toward him. And maybe, maybe today, maybe today's the day that we flip the script. Because like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions or sins. It is by grace that you have been saved. You know, we were in a... We're in a really, really, really bad way. I just want you to understand the weight of this. We were in a really bad way. And then God drops this giant, big old bomb of grace on us, right? And he says, hey, I got this. I got this. And he goes on to say in the same verse, he says, so that you can experience incomparable riches through Christ. Okay, fine mark. But come on, seriously, couldn't God have stopped the pain and suffering if he wanted to? And I'm, I'm glad you asked. Like, I have a couple responses to that. And I don't, I don't know how well they're both going to fit you. But here you, here you go. Here's the first one. When God was faced with the question of evil and suffering in the Garden of Eden, he could have destroyed Adam and Eve right there. He could have made them robots and just said, you will do as I say. He could have just got rid of them. He could have done whatever he wanted to put an end to that. But I think he would have sacrificed the greater good. And that is a loving relationship with all of humanity. Remember, God doesn't will sin. God doesn't will evil. But it's possible in ways that I can't begin to understand. Maybe come to Saturday Seminary. In ways that I can't begin to unpack for you clear enough or well enough, maybe it's possible that He allows that for the greater good, because we're not robots. All right. So if that doesn't answer it for you, like couldn't God have done something for it? If that doesn't, that one doesn't work for you. Hey Shannon, I think you should unmute her. Just a thought. Uh, if that one doesn't work for you, try this one on for size. He did. I mean, he did. he did. He did do something about it. He sent us Jesus. We just got into talking about it. He sent us Jesus into the world to restore us to himself. And Jesus, our Savior, brought with him the gift of salvation, that we could be made new, that we get an all-expense-paid trip to heaven. I mean, get this, heaven, right? Where every tear will be wiped away, every sorrow will be gone, and there will be no more suffering. I mean, I'd say he did something about it. I, I, I think he did take care of it. I think he gave us what we needed. I know it's crazy, but I think that the, the, the creator of the whole universe thought of that. I think he thought of it. I think he was considering you and I when he put an end to suffering because and through the person of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus on the cross. This is the good news of the, of the gospel. Like hell was our eternity. It was our eternity. It's what was awaiting you and I forever. But instead, Jesus. And I think I think we want to come to church, at least I do sometimes, we want to come to church and we want to experience something way more intellectual than that. And we have a pastor who generally offers us way more intellectual than that. But I think sometimes we got to just, just go back to the basics and realize what you and I were saved from and this is the gospel. Today... Uh, as you heard already today marks um, today marks on the Christian calendar what we call Holy Week right this is Palm Sunday this is when Jesus came into Jerusalem and experienced the last week of his life on earth and we're gonna we're gonna close and celebrate uh, some time of communion we're gonna close this here in just a second so I'm gonna invite our ushers and those who are uh, some of our staff who are helping uh with this to come on forward and they're gonna start um, oftentimes we do communion around here we get out of our seats we come forward to the table and get it they're actually just gonna pass it down the aisle so as it goes by uh, you can just grab that you might have to hold up the tray for the person beside you as they're grabbing their stuff off it they're just gonna do this I'm gonna keep talking we're gonna celebrate communion uh, together we, we celebrate open communion around here which means you don't have to be like a member of Grace Point you don't have to you don't have to uh, have any declaration of Grace Point your church anything like that all we really ask is that you examine your heart and say is, is Jesus my Savior and if so, great. If not, that's okay. Let that thing pass you on by. We're not doing an interrogation. No one's going to judge you. It's fine. If that's not a decision you've made, like, that's, that's great. Again, welcome to Grace You come to a safe place today. So if that's the case, just pass it right on by. No problem. And if, uh, you know, we understand this too. If you have a need that's a dietary restriction, that you need gluten-free, I don't mean to make this weird for you. I hope it's not weird for you, but would you just hold your hand up? We want to meet that need. We want to take care of that for you. So uh, if that's you, I, you know, it's... It, I hope it's not awkward. Just hold your hand up. We'll bring you something. Uh, we have a staff member who also uh, has to eat that way. So they totally understand it. I promise you what they will be bringing you is not contaminated by what everybody else is holding. Like, we get that. So hold your hand up. Hold it high. She's a shorty. Hold your hand up high. She'll see it. She'll find you and she'll, she'll give you a gluten-free option. So we're gonna we're gonna work through this and just let that stuff keep going by and, and and stay here with me just for a moment. As we enter into this time, I wanna just give you a quick just a quick like uh, like snapshot of Jesus' final week on earth. Here it is. I just got done talking about it. It's Palm Sunday, he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's met with praises. He's met with palm branches on the ground in honor of Him. It seems kind of a red carpet thing, right? And they're, they're, hallelujah, hosanna, glory in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, it's this big, big, big deal. They're welcoming their Savior into their space with, with great anticipation. He has come. Their Messiah has arrived in their town. It's a big, big deal. And then things go south pretty quick. Not long after that, he's, you know, he's, he's, his authority is questioned when he's calling people out for, frankly, for living like idiots, right? He's, 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 he's called out himself, and he's made a big deal of, and now people don't like him very much. And like the, the, the religious officials, the religious, like the, the, bosses are going, whoa, 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 this guy's threatening us. Let's, let's be careful here. He shares his last meal. With his closest friends, and that's what communion is. That's where he talks to him about what communion is. He knows what's coming. He says, "Hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be gone soon, and yeah, I need you to just remember what's about to happen because this is this is going to be this is going to be a big deal." So he 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 shows them what communion is. They share this meal together. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows all this bad stuff's going to happen to him, and he tells his disciples all about it. He goes to a remote place after that. He goes to the woods, it's called the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes to the woods and he's just praying to his father and he, he takes his closest friends with him and he says, hey, come be with me. I know the, I know the mob's gonna come for me soon. They're gonna come get me and they want, to, they, they, they want me. So would you just watch and just keep an eye out for them? And they say, yeah, Lord, we got this. And guess what they do? <laughs> they fall asleep. They fall asleep. So Jesus is praying there and this says, scripture says he's praying so fervently that drops of blood or, I mean, he's praying that passionately and he's praying this. He says, father, just says, take this cup from me. I, I don't want this suffering that's ahead. I don't want this pain. I know what you have in store for me, but I don't want this, Lord. If there's any other way, would you do it some other way? Like, I don't want to do this, but if it's your will, God, I'll do it. I don't, I don't know, I have to understand it all, but if it's your will, I'll do it. And if, if it glorifies you, Father, do it in me all the more. He's betrayed. Ultimately, they come, they get him, they arrest him, one of his own. Disciples leads the way. He gets sentenced to death, right? He goes before, he goes before all the big wigs, and he gets he gets sentenced to death. And even after they couldn't find any charges against him, they even said, they're, they're, you know, they said there's no basis for these charges against him. But I guess let's just put let's put him to death anyways. And and frankly, not only they put him to death, they they set someone free that really was a criminal and really deserved to be punished in his place. And he's brutally, brutally. I mean, I just I can't. I can't imagine. I've seen it in movies trying to depict this, but I just can't imagine what this really looks like. He's brutally beaten. I mean, brutally beaten to an inch of his death, just, just whipped and beaten, just, just, just mauled with a whip, with 39 blows to his back and his, his ribs and his sides, and he's. I mean, he knows what suffering is. And he's crucified. <laughs> that as if that wasn't enough. And he's crucified. They put him, they put him on a cross, and, and. I love this you know we, we we think it's this PG-13 scene we think that he's covered up and that he's got this little I don't know this little man adult diaper thing on that covers everything up but the reality is he's there totally totally naked and left for dead he knows what suffering is maybe in like the clearest for me, like the clearest demonstration we have in maybe all of scripture of, of God entering into our pain and our suffering, the, the suffering and the pain of all of humanity. He's like, Jesus is on the cross and he's, he's about to gasp his last breath. I mean, he's just fighting with everything he's got. He's just just fighting and fighting and fighting and, and, he, and he screams, he cries out and he says this one crazy big word that we all ask too is, this, Why? Why have you forsaken me, God? And for us, it sounds more like, God, where are you on all this? That's how I ask. God, where are you? Why is this going on around me? Where Where are you in all of this? And, and, and God remains silent, not distant, not distant, but silent. Thank you. Because he knew, because he knew that this pain and this suffering, well, well, immense and more than I can sit here and depict for you. was how he would take the pain, the cup of pain and suffering away from you and I. And he knew that this pain and this suffering was only temporary. I have a feeling, I have a hunch we'll hear more about that next Sunday. Behold in your hands symbols, Symbols of just what God did. God's response to your pain and your suffering, to my pain and my suffering. You hold symbols of these things. The bread represents the body of Christ, but I think it represents more than that. I think it represents grace and peace. Grace that says God has given you way, way better than you deserve. And peace that he took your brokenness and made you whole through Christ's brokenness. When he taught his disciples how to receive communion, how to remember this moment that would, that would just go into the future for them after he was gone, he had them hold the bread. And, and he, I love, I, I don't ever want to miss this when we do communion. He had them hold the bread and he said, after they had given thanks, they ate it. So let's just take a moment and give Thanks. Father, thank you for your broken body. It made me whole. Thanks for suffering in my place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the bread and eat. this juice that you hold in your hand, this cup represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for you, his response to your pain and suffering. See, it wasn't a punishment from God. (laughs) It was mercy for you and I. Isaiah says it like this. Surely he took on our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. The blood of Christ was the Father's response to your suffering today and forever. So let's give thanks. Father, thank you for the blood that Jesus shed for us. Well you didn't take <laughs> you didn't take the cup from Jesus that day. You took it from us. And we are a grateful people that your blood was spilled so ours could be cleansed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take and drink. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for the peace that we have that only comes from knowing Christ today. As we walk into this week, may we remember today, God, in each day this week, and each day that follows all that you've done for us, that you stepped into humanity, that you entered into our pain, you entered into our suffering, and you did something about it. And that we know, Father, that this present suffering nothing compared to the glory we will see in you someday. We love you. We praise you. Go before us. Be in us and around us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys as you go. We'll see you next Sunday for Easter. You're dismissed.